0: Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainways.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, uh, 8.55am, 3CR digital radio and 3cr.org.au. My name's Steph and from the Brainwaves team today we have Terry and Sarah. Today we're talking about the need for legal representation among individuals who are experiencing mental health challenges. We're speaking with Hamish McLaughlin who is a managing lawyer of the mental health program at Victoria Legal Aid in response to an article published by ABC News on March 21st. Thanks Hamish for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me I'm so glad to be here.
2: Thanks Hamish. Can you explain to us what Victoria Legal Aid mental health program is?
1: Uh, yes, that's right. So we're a, um, a program within Legal Aid, which is a government funded agency that's responsible for uh, helping people with their legal problems, people who uh, can't afford a lawyer themselves. And our mental health program is responsible for helping people with um, mental health issues or who have uh, been alleged to have mental health issues where those come into contact with the law. So. The primary thing that we do is we assist uh, people who have to appear before the mental health tribunal we offer what's called a duty lawyer service to uh, any inpatients who are facing the mental health tribunal where we provide free legal advice to anyone in that situation Uh, and then we uh, also represent um, a lot of people before the tribunal Uh, we also do other work uh, for example people who have been placed on guardianship or administration orders so having their um decision-making rights taken away from them because of mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as other work in the courts where people have been um, found not guilty by reason of mental impairment of a crime, for example, will represent people in those Great,
2: Thank you.
3: Thanks very much, Terry and Hamish, for that um, excellent uh, rundown for us, I suppose, to start with. It's fantastic. Um, so the next thing that we're wondering is about the article that was recently published on ABC News. Yep. Victoria Legal Aid calls for improved legal representation. So further to that, uh, can you describe what mental health tribunals are for?
1: Um, yeah, certainly. So um, a lot of people, the world of mental health tribunals or compulsory mental health tribunal, uh, compulsory mental health treatment, isn't that familiar? So, um, it might surprise some of your listeners to hear, some will, some not, but that um, around 10,000 people uh, in Victoria each year are subjected to compulsory treatment. So, that's where they're placed on um, a legal order uh, and they're forced to have treatment uh, without their consent. But in order for that to happen, um, there's a legal process uh, and the person has to be uh, brought before the mental health tribunal and the tribunal has to decide whether to make um, a treatment order over a person or not. And if they make a treatment order, then that person can be compelled to have mental health treatment even if they don't want it. Uh, And if they don't make an order, then the person can make their own decisions. And there's around 6,000 of those hearings in Victoria each year, so it affects a lot of people. And the tribunal has one other major role, which is um, determining uh, whether people should have compulsory uh, ECT, electroshock treatment. So um, there are hearings in relation to that that we also assist with.
2: Mm, thank you. Um, can you tell us some of the better outcomes for individuals with mental health issues who are legal, legally represented? at the mental health tribunal hearings?
1: Sure, so at the um, hearings to determine whether someone should be put on a compulsory treatment order or not, the major um, better outcome that an individual might get is that a no treatment order is made, and that means that they then are in control of um, the decisions about their own medical treatment and what happens to their body. and. Um, so they would be made what's called a voluntary patient and they can decide what to do. And that's really, really important, first of all, because it's more consistent with patients' um, human rights and with the mental health principles and with the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities if um, you're able to make your own decisions about your own health care. But also because um, I think experience shows us that if people are treated voluntarily, then uh, the services that they receive are likely to be of a better quality so if your psychiatrist can just force you to give some force you to have something that you don't want and they've got that option then there's not the same incentive for them to really look for a treatment um, regime that the person is happy with Mm. and that is of a high quality so that's why it's really important um, that as many people are treated Uh, voluntarily as possible. The other outcomes are, and one of the main things that we really uh, fight for is for community treatment. So the tribunal has to decide, even if it does make a treatment order, whether that treatment order should be an inpatient treatment order, meaning the person is detained in a psychiatric ward at a hospital or a community treatment order, which means you still have to take the treatment but you can be treated at home in the community. And so we'll often be in there, um, in the mental health tribunal advocating that someone mm. should get community treatment, uh, which is a lot less restrictive way to be treated. Mm. Uh, so that's another better outcome that people can get. The tribunal also has to determine the length of an order if it makes one. And uh, our experience shows us that the tribunal is much more likely to make a shorter order order uh if if we are there advocating for people uh and also in relation to um ect the electroshock treatment jurisdiction uh, patients are much more likely to avoid getting compulsory ect if Mm. they have a lawyer there Mm. Mm.
3: okay that's fantastic thanks so much for that insight Next up, we're wondering about some the challenges that Victoria Legal Aid face in ensuring that they are present for as many hearings as possible for consumers out there.
1: Yeah, so the major one um, is funding. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> we can we only have so many lawyers. So in Melbourne, we have a team of about uh, 12 lawyers and we also have uh, specialist lawyers, um, mental health lawyers in Dandenong Bendigo, uh, and Geelong, so across us, we can't simply can't cover all of the hearings. As mm. I said, there's six thousand hearings a year, so that's the major one. Um, there are other things that um, make it difficult, uh, such as just um, listing of hearings, the days they have them on. Uh, meaning we're quite spread, quite thin across the state, mm. but. Um, The major one is uh, funding
2: Mm. right? (laughs) And can you tell us about the repercussions for those with mental health issues who face a mental health tribunal hearing without a lawyer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first, um, it would be the opposite of those better outcomes that I said you could get Mm. if you have a lawyer. So you're more likely to be made compulsory. Uh, You're more likely to be placed on an inpatient treatment order for longer and you're more likely to get um, compulsory ECT. But quite apart from that, um, the other really important repercussion is in relation to the process. So if you can imagine uh, you've been brought into um, a mental health ward against your will and detained there, and you have um, a doctor making decisions for you, uh, you can be there for up to 28 days before you're brought to the tribunal. So it's a quite frightening and disempowering mm-hmm. experience for people. Uh, you are up against um, often multiple people on a treating team, all taking a contrary view to what you uh, have about what should be happening to you. Uh, and then you're required to then face a legal tribunal uh, where people are making um, really important decisions about you, and um, having to apply a law that is not straightforward and can be quite technical, uh, and also you're up against your own psychiatrist uh, and um, who has obviously medical training, but also fronts this tribunal themselves. Um, possibly several times a week so they're really experienced you're there and one probably one of the most vulnerable moments of your life Mm. where you've had all of your rights taken away from you Uh, you might be unwell you've probably been given quite sedating medication while you've been in hospital so then to expect you to front that and argue for your own case is um, a really hard ask Mm. people uh, Really need someone in their corner at that point, mm. and so quite about apart from the outcomes, um, the process and having someone there to advocate for you, for stand to stand up for you, uh, to be your voice in the tribunal uh, is really really. Important, and whenever we talk to our clients, uh, even if we haven't changed the actual legal outcome of the tribunal, they say it's just meant the world to them and made a huge difference to their experience of compulsory treatment mm-hmm. if they've had someone there advocating mm-hmm. for them.
3: Mm, that's fantastic. It's very um, exciting for us to know that these, you know, Victorian legal aid are out there to help people when they're at their most vulnerable point. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Great work. Um, So next up, ECT is like quite a drastic treatment that is only implemented in extreme cases. However, Victorian Legal Aid reports a drop in 40% of cases for clients that are approved for ECT if a lawyer is present. What do you make of this?
1: Yeah, that's right. So it's quite a um, startling statistic, really, Mm -hmm. that... um, the tribunal says that, um, and I'm rounding a little bit here, but uh, overall um, of the ECT, compulsory ECT cases that come before it, it um, approves the application, so approves compulsory ECT 90% of the time, but that drops down to 50% if you have legal aid there. So um, you've got a one in ten chance uh, by yourself but a five and ten chance with a the lawyer there so we're making five times the difference is mm-hmm. what that suggests uh, and um, what an answer to your question what do you make of that mm-hmm. um, number one it, it's a large problem there's about six or seven hundred of these cases per year mm-hmm. uh, But we, again, because of the funding um, shortfalls, we can only get along to about 8% of these cases. So it does suggest to us um, that perhaps um, for there to be such a big difference between the outcomes when we're there and we're not, that the Mental Health Tribunal is taking a different approach when we're not there. Mm. But it's hard for us to say because we're not there.
2: And it, it may be suggesting, uh, would you like to comment, that there are a significant number of individuals who are receiving electroconvulsive therapy against their will or perhaps when it may not even be, seemed necessary in some cases.
1: Well, that's right. There's definitely a lot that are receiving it against their will. So mm. um, to re- get it against your will, they have to go to the tribunal to get a special order to give it to you. Uh, And so everybody who is um, appearing before the tribunal there, um, more or less, uh, will be getting the ECT against their will. And that's um, about at least sort of 600 people per year.
2: In Victoria. Yeah, in Victoria.
1: Mm. Um, Whether it's not necessary or not, um, what the law says about it is they can only give you the compulsory ECT order if um, they're satisfied of two things. One, you don't have capacity to make uh, an informed decision yourself. And secondly, if you don't have capacity, uh, then that it's the least restrictive way um, for you to be treated. So um, we as we said, from the statistics, quite often managed to convince the tribunal that one or both of those criteria aren't met. Um, the fact that there's that big difference between what mm. happens when we're there and when we're not there um, does indicate that perhaps uh, the tribunal is uh, authorising more than it should be uh, when we're not there, which would mean that Perhaps people are getting it when it's not necessary.
2: Well, could it also mean that um, the lawyers are picking out the cases where it might not be as clear cut uh, in terms of what is the most effective treatment in 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 an individ- particular circumstance?
1: There's definitely an element of that. Like some of it, some of the difference will be accounted for that because mm. we can we only go go along when by and large. Um, a patient has contacted us uh, and asked for us to be there. So that indicates that they've got quite a good level of capacity already. So we might be more likely to make a successful argument on capacity. Um, However, I don't think it accounts for such a big difference. And actually, we go to most hearings that we can. There's not that Whenever we're contacted by someone with an ECT hearing, because it's so important, um, such a drastic thing that's happening to the person, um, Mm. we'll usually attend if we can. So we're not weeding too many out based on thinking that they have a bad case. Mm.
3: Uh, so, next up, Hamish, uh, you know, we're, we're more interested in, um, quite interested in delving through the latest figures in the annual report, which indicated that there were 169 mental health hearings in the last six months in Bendigo, and it was not possible for the specialist lawyer to attend all of them. Why so? Would this be, uh, yet again, because of funding?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, we have a. Um As I said earlier, a specialist lawyer up um, who works out of Bendigo and she's terrific um, and she supports the mental health uh, practice across um, the northern region. So uh, she does hearings in um, Bendigo one week and Ballarat the next and she also supports the lawyers up in Shepparton to support the service up there. And we do also get great um, help from some of the um, criminal lawyers out of our um, Ballarat office and um, Shepparton office but um, even so 169 hearings mm. um, in six months um, that's a lot so and each of these hearings to give you listeners some context lasts for at least an hour mm. and the contested hearings um, where you have a lawyer a psychiatrist um, and a community member on the panel mm. Uh, So a lot of people asking questions um, and a representative from the health service or more than one on one side and then the patient and hopefully a lawyer on the other. So they take a long time. Um, So you can't do even a very um, busy, uh, diligent lawyer can't do more than probably three a day. Um, It'd be impossible to prepare uh, more than that and you'd be um, exhausted. So it's simply... um, yeah, to do 170 in six months, what's that, 340 a year. If you are doing one hearing a day, you'd, you'd be there all year. So, um, yeah, it's simply not possible. Uh, so we really would just require more funding to be able to stretch across mm. that. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, we understand there are even fewer resources available out in regional areas, Um, can you comment on how this is likely to impact individuals living in those rural communities?
1: Yeah, so um, quite apart from meaning, um, obviously, they're less likely to be able to have a a lawyer at their mental health Mm. tribunal hearing, um, which leads to all of those things we've talked about earlier in the program. But what the... um, uh, research on legal help need across Australia shows us is that if people end up um, in mental health uh, compulsory treatment or detention, that often leads uh, to even more legal issues. Mm. So um, if you're locked up in a um, in a psych ward for a long period of time, what happens to your tenancy, for example, then you end up with... Um, uh, tenancy law issues, or you might have uh, issues with work. So you might have employment law issues, or you might end up uh, having some issues with Centrelink. So um, it compounds uh, a lack of having lack lack of um, early intervention, um, good legal intervention early on can mean you end up with a lot more issues. And if you're out in a rural area it's of course hard to access lawyers for those issues as well Mm. Uh, so it's a real problem and we would love to have more people working out in the country if we Mm. could.
3: Mm. Okay yeah for sure absolutely some very valid points made there a lot for us to think about thank you. Uh, What do you think needs to change in order for individuals with mental health issues to be adequately represented in tribunals?
1: Well, um, the immediate thing is that we would require like a drastic increase in our funding, but to get that we really need the support of um, the community. And so it's really great uh, to do things like this and have you um, welcome us here to talk about it. Because as I said earlier on, not a lot of people are that um, uh, aware of um, compulsory mental health issues. And so we really need um, the mental health services uh, to value the, law, the role that lawyers play and the value that we bring to people's um, experience and to their recovery, and also for the tribunal to value us, uh, and then ultimately for the government too, so mm. that um, that they see this as something that um, is important, uh, because you know there is uh, money around; it's about priorities, and we Certain just need... Mm,
2: yeah. And um, if any of our listeners are requiring legal representations for themselves or for a loved one, how might they go about accessing these types of supports?
1: So um, they can go onto our website, which is legalaid.vic.gov.au and there it has a lot of information and it's also got um, the number to call uh, if you require help, which is 1300 792 387. So 1300 792 387. That's Legal Aid's um, legal helpline. So if you ring up that number, you'll be put through to one of our legal help uh, lawyers uh, who can then um, refer you on to the appropriate place. If you are um, in Um, a mental health unit we have duty lawyer service that comes out to each one of those uh, units so if you are facing a tribunal hearing a duty lawyer will come and see you the day before your hearing as well Uh, but if you want some support before then that's the number to call
0: fantastic thank you thank you thank you thank you to Hamish McLaughlin um, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge with our listeners you can find more of our shows at our website brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainwaves@wellways.org. Next week on the show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Checkpoint about the way video games can help improve mental well-being. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR.